Welcome back to the Girls Talk Egg podcast, plowing through the manure online. I've got my BFFPs, I don't know, best friends forever in podcasting with me today. I got Jen. Hello. And Karen. Hello. There they are. Um, Jen was a little slow. And Wrigley. Yeah, Wrigley. Sorry, Riggs. Uh, Jen was a little slow to answer because she's still pounding research right now. That is one of my most favorite things about doing this podcast is I've learned quite a bit. Most of the time from you guys because I'm too lazy to do my own research. So, yay. Right. Okay. So I do some research and stuff, but yeah, it's kind of half-assed. But So today we're going to talk about something that um, prior to hitting the record button on this podcast, we had about a 15-minute conversation um, not counting when Karen's kids were threatening mutiny. Um, we had a 15 minute conversation about, um, what antibiotic free means or raised without antibiotics or any of this stuff. So this week, uh, we are going to discuss the use of antibiotics in, in livestock. Um, more so, or one of the reasons that the, the conversation, the topic was brought up is that Jen has had her hands full this week, um, basically fighting back. Right, Jen, you've got you guys have a little issue in your your baby pigs, your piglets. No. So, or... so not in the baby pigs. It's in a finish. Okay, next group of pigs to go out. So they weigh just under two fifty in that range. Two, okay, two... how much does a pig weigh when it's ready, fully fed? So we like to sell between two fifty and three hundred. Okay. Little pushing a little closer. Two fifty to two fifty is kind of light. We had some pigs. Uh, we sold last week, um, I think they averaged 256 to 260, which I think we feel is kind of light. Um, but those okay. pigs had gotten the flu and off feed, and that just sets a pig back, and they're just not going to recover. Okay, okay. So you guys, you're dealing with, this is different than the flu then, um, what you're dealing with right now? What or? we're dealing with right now, yes, is different than the than the flu. Um so we have a couple things going on, actually. We have one 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 finishing room that has, this is going to be so unpleasant, um, hemorrhagic bowel syndrome, which... Um, that sounds uncomfortable. It sounds yes, like they it ate does. it Chipotle. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Then we've got another room that has hemorrhagic bowel ileitis. So the big difference is you can, the syndrome, you cannot treat... Um, it just kind of has to clear up itself and, and I, sometimes I'm going to pull stuff out of my ass here, not to be, not to be confused with what the pigs have, but, um, I by no means am an expert when it comes to this kind of stuff. I, I rely heavily on Chris. We rely even more heavily on the vet. So that's kind of my disclaimer that, that I'm just going to tell you what we kind of do around here and stuff that I can kind of make up as we go. Uh, well, I don't so, think we've ever promised to be experts. Um, if at any point in time we gave you the illusion that we are experts, that's your own fault. Yeah, that's saying. your own fault. Yeah. So, we, so what we have going on now is the ileitis, and it can be treated with an antibiotic. Um, that is kind of where my understanding is, is that intestine lining that's got all those little wiggly things in it, See, I don't know any technical terms. Well, those start kind of sloughing off. And so the the intestines then get some kind of ulcer sores. It bleeds. They can't digest. They can't uh, digest the food or take the nutrients out of it. 
So then Isn't you start, that kind of like diverticulitis? That's and, exactly what I was thinking, Angie. <laughs> and so then you get these blood clots in their intestines. Oh. And, and then, so from there, it's just downhill. So basically for the, you know, the past two days, we, we actually had seen it kind of starting, wasn't sure exactly what it was, had a herd health check with the vet yesterday, and the vet's like, yes, this is what you've got in this room, this is what you've got in this room, let's start treating it. So last evening, Chris and I spent a couple hours um, giving hogs some, some shots of antibiotic. And um, some shots, some oral, if you've ever tried to give like a 225-pound pig an oral medicine, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, probably about but, as fun as trying to give a four-year-old. Yes, probably. <laughs> but, but we did that, and then we started some water antibiotics in the water. And actually, I wasn't sure what to expect this morning when we got there to that room, but... Um, there were no deads, so everybody is looking much better. So where um, did they get this? I mean, is it is it something they picked up when the other farm they were at, or what? Oh no, um, it's bacteria. Is my say, understanding? Pigs really, really sensitive to everything. I mean, like you have to be really clean before you go in anywhere. I mean, they're they're one of the more sensitive. Are they not like animals yeah, like, to raise? So. So the only people in our hog barns are Chris and I and the kids. Um, you know, we've stopped farrowing, so now I go to another farm once a month uh, to pick up 250 baby pigs on a trailer load. And I always have to put on plastic boots. I never, ever go in their barns. Um, I don't step out of my truck without plastic boots on. Um, so, and, and you know... Really, we aren't this way, but the majority, well, I don't want to say the majority, I don't really know how many, but a lot of huge hog farms are shower in, shower out. Yeah. So, um, I know that's, I worked, I had a customer that was, they were the same kind of finishing their, what is it, pharaoh to finish? Is that what there is a fer- Yeah. Well, there is a pharaoh to finish, which means that pigs are born on your farm and they're, they're that's raised. That's what you used to be. We used to be until a couple months ago. Back. Now we're okay. a wean to finish. Okay. I, now I, I want to say this guy was feral to finish, but I, I honestly am not 100% sure. And he was always like, you need to come out and check out the pigs. And I'm like, and but I have to shower. And that's awkward to come to someone's place and like be like, I'm going to shower at my customer's farm. Like, it's just not, uh, I've, I can see, you know, pigs at the fair. I'm good. I don't, you they know, don't pay but, for that, right? Yeah, I'm just like they don't pay I, for that level of service. Like, Thank you. Do do yeah. I bring my own underwear? Should I bring? You know, <laughs> just yeah. it. Like, ugh. um. So yeah, I never experienced that fun side of things, but that's they were they were shower in shower out. So and that well, I've I actually never been to a shower in shower out farm. So that my, I guess yeah. mine is because I get in the shower every morning and right. Before I, Right, so then you shower when you get done. Yeah, so there you Most go. Most of the time. Most anyway. of the time. Um. So yeah. So the the bacteria these guys have picked it up. Like it's just someone carried it. Either another pig, right, or something left over. Well, or so. So I can't. That is not my area of expertise because I don't have an area of expertise. But I'm going to say a lot of this stuff is. Um, some stuff can be carried by birds and come in the barns. Um. Some some of it is just around, and when a pig is susceptible to it, they're going to pick it up if their immune system gets gets compromised. Um, this summer, 
weather is hard. Weather is hard on hogs. Um, they're inside. All ours are indoors. But um, they know that weather change. And when we're going from, you know, trying to cool those barns down with fans during 100 degree days. And then, you know, we hit 60 at night. And, and they can, th- that weather change is there. And those barns, even though they're temperature controlled, they, they, those pigs know that. And it just, it, just like a human, it messes with your body. So they could yeah. feel the pressure changes, I would assume, because I can feel yeah. them in my head. Yeah. So you got that going on, and then you got that, you know, you got that trying to keep the pigs cool during the day when it's 100, and then it drops to 60, and then while the fans are on and off, you know, you're trying to keep it level, but then that temperature drops to 60. Just any time you have those um, changes and drastic changes in temperature is not good. Yeah. And so that's been a part of a struggle and on that side. So you guys then, so you gave a dose, then one full dose, and now you're you're watering. Using so we went through this this room had about 250 head in it. We went through there, and Chris and I marked the pigs that we could tell weren't feeling good by watching them visually. Um, also, what they have um, ends up with um, blood in their manure. And so you watch for those pigs that have, I I know I went live today and the most awkward thing is going, now this is regular colored manure and this is sick manure. But there is a huge color difference because there is that blood in that manure that's causing the dark, darker colors and and, um, some other unfun things. So, so we watch for that. And then you can tell by looking at a pig if it doesn't feel good. So the ones that were worse got um, 20 cc's of Tylen orally and then a 10 cc injection. And then um, those were the worst ones. And then we had some that just got the 10 cc's of Tylen injectable. And then we went through and put, um, ran the medicator, which goes through the water system uh, put some medicine into the water system. So as those pigs are drinking, they're getting medicine. And on these hot days, that actually works really well because they may not feel good and feel like eating. So it's not really in their feed, but it's in that water. And on hot days, those pigs are going to drink and get that medication. Okay, good. Then how long do you have to do that for? I knew you were going to ask me a question I didn't know. We won't... Um, I mean, until the vet comes back and checks them again, or no, no, we we he told us how long to run it, and honestly, I I either didn't listen or, but Chris did, so someone listened. Uh, we'll run that for a few days, and then now, like I said, these hogs um, should have been ready to go out in a week and a half, two weeks. This will probably push them back a week, simply because they won't gain. But then we'll follow strictly that withdrawal period. Um, and I'm not so sure Thailand isn't seven to, seven or 14 days. I'd have to look again. So, like, the minute those pigs got that um, antibiotic, we, both of us, both of us knew it. Anytime we give antibiotic, both of us know. We note it somewhere on paperwork, and we have an official record we keep it of. And we make sure that those pigs do not go to market, particularly at this age, because they are so close. We can't sell those pigs till that um, withdrawal period is up. Okay. So it's seven seven to ten days, you said, you figure, or two weeks, or? Um, I think Thailand was 
either seven or 14 days. I honestly, off the top of my head, can't remember what the withdrawal period for Thailand was. Um, no, but, and, you know, d- using it there, though, um, you know, what your alternative without using it, because a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, you had to wait two weeks and that doesn't seem like enough and blah, blah, blah. The alternative basically is to just have your hogs die, right? I mean, a slow, so, painful, bloody stool filled death. So basically, as they get these, as they get this, I don't know if it's a disease, an illness, sickness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, there's two things that can happen. They can um, do the best their immune system can do the best it can to recover from it by itself. But more than likely, if they're not getting the feed they need and they're having these blood clots, they're going to die. Okay. Um, yeah. Which is absolutely zero fun. I mean, and that's why, what do you, do you have anyone that you know that um, doesn't use antibiotics in this situation or no, like person that, you know, personally, I mean, obviously there are people out there um, because you have that raised without antibiotics that we'll talk about. But um, do you know it? I don't know anyone personally. I don't know any antibiotic free um, livestock farmers. Not that I could speak for off the top of my head. I, I know some chicken farmers. Aren't they yeah. almost always antibiotic free? There, well, from what I've been reading here, um, at least this morning so far, and and I'm wide open, of course, to hearing from our friends that, uh, um, our friends that do uh, raise animals, other animals, uh, if they're antibiotic free or whatever. But it almost looks as though a lot of the major chicken producers, I'm talking Tyson, Purdue, um, those groups aren't really liking the use of antibiotics. So a lot of them have been anyway that I've seen. Um, maybe uh, I'm wrong. I had a turkey farmer friend out in Iowa, um, Oltoffs. They raise for Subway and they are antibiotic free now. Um, which the growing period for a turkey and a chicken is so much less than the growing period for a hog and cattle. Um, so... I'm not saying that makes it any easier, but there's there's a lot less time there for things to go wrong or for livestock to catch something, I guess. Yeah, that um, would make sense. Um, that's what I've been looking here. Um, you know, it, it, and some are saying, I mean, and that so that was what our big confusion was when we started talking about it was what does antibiotic free mean? Um you know, and that's what, what does the label farm raised chickens mean? We've, we've always had this conversation going since we started this podcast on the different labels. You know, and the USDA says that no antibiotics, if a, if a, a package of meat is labeled no antibiotics, both red meat and poultry, it says the term no, no antibiotics added may be used on labels for meat or poultry products if sufficient documentation is provided by the producer to the agency demonstrating that the animals were raised without antibiotics. Um, it doesn't say anything about that for pork. Um, and then the birds, like I said, it, it appears though, um, you know, that, that they're trying to get away from using any antibiotics in birds. And like you said, it, it seems to be a much quicker growth period to bring chicken or, you know, turkeys, I think take a little bit longer, but, um, you know, we're looking at, there's a lot of people that are concerned about eating chicken or any animal that was fed antibiotics that might have antibiotic residue or something of that nature. And, and most experts that I've read have, have uh, 
said every flock's tested or most of your, all of your meat that goes into markets tested um, for antibiotic residue from what I'm seeing here. Now, Karen, I know you've, you've, uh, you were at a conference here not long ago where there was a different conversation being had, right? About residue or the presence or anything of that nature there. Right. Farmers tend to say that all meat is antibiotic free, but apparently there are a little bit of allowable traceable levels, but it might be like one or two parts per billion, depending on what the actual antibiotic is, because each antibiotic differs for the the time period for withdrawal and what's left in the system. And and the lady from the National Pork, I always want to say National Pork Board, National Pork Congress, National Pork, whatever the association is. Um, I'm sorry, I apologize to her, but she said that you can't say that it's, you know, all meat is antibiotic free because there could be, you know, a part per billion or so. And so you don't want to, you want to be truthful. So you don't want to say all meat is antibiotic free because that's not necessarily truthful. Makes sense. I think it, I think it becomes a little personal to, to be honest with you. Um, we watch withdrawal periods so carefully. I mean, I mean, it's our job. It's, it's, it's our livelihood. I mean, you screw that up. You screwed up your livestock operation. Yeah. Um, you don't, there are no second chances. You send a load of hogs through that has, that gets tested positive for antibiotic residue above what you're saying. I mean, we're, we're shooting for that residue not being there. Zero you presence. don't want it there. Yeah. Zero presence. It's, um, because what's going to happen is like we, we sell to Tyson, they're going to come back and say, hey, we're not taking any chances. We no more. And then we're screwed. So I think, I think it becomes really personal. I mean, to me, antibiotic free, raised antibiotic free, never had it. I mean, it's such a fine line and it's, it's so confusing when it comes to what antibiotics are out there. What is human? What is only animal? It's, but don't you I, I think that confusion has come from, you know, different commercials of people, you know, trying like the Panera commercials. Oh, our chickens are, you know, not Franken chickens and they're antibiotic free. And which when you say they're antibiotic free to somebody who doesn't know anything about it, they think, oh, my gosh, was I like getting an entire dose of penicillin when I ate that, you know, piece of chicken last week? Yeah. So if if my... If my Subway sandwich isn't labeled antibiotic-free, does that mean I'm getting antibiotics? I think it's totally a marketing game. And I think it's been blown out of proportion. In the first place, we've got so many antibiotics that aren't even, um, for livestock, that aren't even human-approved or human, uh, I don't want to say approved because they're not, but but that doesn't mean that if your livestock's been given it, and this is getting so confusing. Right. You mean aren't... to say that the, the antibiotics you give your livestock are not the same antibiotics you get at the doctor's office. Right. Exactly. I mean, they're not. I got a chart here. Hang on a second. I got to find all my paperwork. Um, so um, a third of these antibiotics are in classes that have no human use. So you've got all these antibiotics. And actually, the chart is from U.S. farmers and ranchers um, online. And then you've got, so so you've got a third of these, the antibiotics out there, a third of them aren't even human 
antibiotics that are being used on livestock. And another third are in classes that aren't considered overly important to humans. We don't use them on a regular basis. They're not um, your everyday antibiotic. Yeah. Your everyday prescribed antibiotic. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. And then you have your your human antibiotics. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some antibiotics that are crossover. Um. Because I believe there are. No, there are. Penicillin is one, isn't it? That crosses over. Penicillin is a crossover antibiotic, yes. Penicillin's one. But the reality is is, is, uh, that little crossover antibiotic use or whatever, like we said before, you've got a withdrawal period anyway. So you're not getting, like Karen was suggesting, you know what I mean? You're not getting a dose of penicillin with a chicken breast. Yeah, if you if you've got strep throat, don't go out and get a chicken. Don't go out and get a chicken breast thinking you're getting a dose of penicillin to help your strep. That's it's. I mean, that is perfect. It'd kill two birds with one stone. Can they put it in donuts? Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Make life a lot easier for a lot of people. But no, and I mean, I think that's part of where the problem comes in with the consumer is the level of confusion because. It took me a thirty second Google search to have all of these people. If you Google. And I'm going to do it again just so I can give you the headlines. If you Google antibiotic use in livestock, oh, that's I did that all I put in. Yeah. There um, is so many, you know, the first three answers are the, or the first three returns are the same um, headline from a different website. Reduce antibiotic misuse in livestock is the big well the, and the yeah. overuse of antibiotics in food animals threatens public health. These are not necessarily accurate statements in today's world, correct? I mean it's the well, same thing as saying no, farmers and, are not conservationists sort of deal. You know I mean it's like fourteen million six hundred thousand results in point six five seconds. Yeah. Um and, and like Wikipedia, I one of the first thing, you know, Wikipedia isn't the most trustworthy thing, but it's even not, I would say, is questionable in some of its sentences, the way the way it's phrased. Yeah. Um, the use of subtherapeutic doses in animal feed and or water to promote and improve feed efficiency was eliminated effective January 1st, 2017, as a result of the new FDA veterinary feed directive. So, so the veterinary feed directive roughly was, let's get some of these... Um, these drugs under control that you have to go through your veterinarian to use in your feed to give give to your livestock when they're sick so that so that all of these drugs aren't just out here you know it was a little it, it made it a little tougher to give some of these medications to livestock okay because you have to have your vet's approval so like anything that is regulated we have to have Approval from our veterinary with this veterinary feed directive to feed. So, um, but I think that this line is confusing because they're not completely eliminated. Um, we we feed BMD in our in they our have finishing. To be, they have to be prescribed, though, right? That's they have to be saying. prescribed. Yeah. Um, but it says here that they were completely. So, so it says that. So this is where I think. It, it becomes such a fine line. It says the use of subtherapeutic doses in animal feed or water to promote 
and improved feed efficiency was eliminated. Well, that's not exactly true if you ask me because we feed BMD, which is for gut health, but by... But is that more like a probiotic? Yeah, it's always going to ask. A little bit, but it is under our feed directive. And to do that, it does improve feed efficiency and promote growth. So I, I don't know. I mean, it BMD is on our feed directive. It is an antibiotic for for um, gut health. So I, I don't know. It's such a fine line. And I think that you can't Google headlines like antibiotic use in livestock and expect to get accurate information and expect to get <laughs> yeah accurate information and understand what's going on if you ask me yeah um well i think I, we had to remember uh, with antibiotics just like with herbicides and insecticides is they're expensive and so yeah. farmers are only going to use them when needed they're not going to use them willy-nilly and I think that's always something people think in their mind. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm not going to worry about these animals. I'm just going to throw antibiotics at them. You know, I'm not going to worry about this crop. I'm just going to spray a whole bunch of crap on it, blah, blah, blah. Well, that stuff costs money. And you're still trying to make money and make a living farming. And so you don't well, do those. You don't make those decisions lightly. It, it comes down to money and your time and your management. Because, you know, like I said, Chris and I spent two hours um, yesterday, given these antibiotics um, orally to these hogs, to some of these hogs. And I mean, you know, we could have been doing other stuff, not the money, the time management, um, and then the paperwork that goes with it, because that all has to be noted. Those hogs can't be sold until they've gone through withdrawal. I mean, there's a whole host of things that we, you know, you have to keep track of. You, you just don't walk in and go, let's just give all of these something because we're going to sell in a week and I'm ready to get rid of them. Right. It's tightly regulated. We need them healthy. Very tightly regulated. The other thing that I think you have to look at, and and it happened this week, it it was a realization to me, as well as a couple years ago, we had a, um, I think it was last summer, actually, we had a cow who um, had a dead calf born and she did not pass her afterbirth. And the only reason I didn't know she passed her afterbirth was because she carried half of it hanging around out of her Ugh. for about a week. And um, I watched her closely, checked her several times a day. And your fear is that that's going to get infected in there and, you know, make her sick. And so, you know, we tossed around. We waited a few days thinking she might pass it on her own. Does she get antibiotic? So three things occurred to me. I can give antibiotic. Then that cow has had antibiotic. I can wait the withdrawal period, and to be honest, I'm probably going to, at the time, going to sell her because she is probably not going to be my most productive cow with another calf if she's had a dead calf and retained her afterbirth. Yeah. Or I can not do anything for her, let her suffer, get infected, possibly die. Well, that doesn't sound like Or, th- Or third... I can look at her and say she hasn't had any antibiotics, so she does not need a withdrawal period. She looks fine now because we're not; she's not sick yet. I can take her to market, and there might be a small infection in her. And then I'm putting something into the food supply that isn't 100% healthy. Yeah. Those are your three choices because, because in the end... 
I want to do the best I can by the livestock. But like Karen said, we're a business. This is our job. This is how we support our family. Yeah. Uh, and I also shop the same place as everybody else does. I I buy my meat at Walmart. So if I'm feeding my family, I don't have a secret truck garden and I don't have hogs on pasture that aren't ever getting antibiotic that I'm secretly feeding to my family because I don't trust the food supply. Yeah. And that's, it, it, you know, kind of piggy, piggybacking on your point. Um, we brought up talking about this and, and I just flat out was like, I have no experience because it's never even crossed my mind to have a concern. Now, do I have a concern about, you know, the overabundance of, uh, um, antibiotics or, or the concern over the, the resistant, um, diseases or something like that? Yeah. But I would say more of that, and this is a a totally non-scientific opinion, but I would say more of that is a result of, uh, you know, not finishing a cycle of antibiotics with a, a sick kid or, um, you know, something of that nature is, it has more concern in, in my opinion, or it concerns me more than, um, you know, a farmer doing right by his, his livestock. Yeah. I had an instance this last winter. So the kids, you know, obviously brought home cooties from school and I got hit a lot harder. Well, I took them to the doctor. And of course, the first thing they got was antibiotics. I went to my doctor and they wouldn't give me antibiotics. And Why? I was like, well, because they didn't want to overuse antibiotics and they didn't think that it was a bacterial infection. And I was like, so then I got really kind of a little perturbed because I was like, well, that was the first thing they gave me in the pediatrician's office. Well, they just like to be safe there you know, and rule out, you know, make sure that it wasn't. And I was like, okay, so it's okay to maybe over-prescribe my kids, but then it's not okay to prescribe me the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure we all had the same bug, but I just, I don't know. So I guess that's where I worry about antibiotics more is for when myself taking them and my children and not necessarily the animals. Yeah. I'm the same. But that's just my two cents, so. Well, uh... Two weeks ago, last week, maybe a week and a half ago, Cole came home from the first day of school with 102 fever, and we had state fair the next day and state fair the day after that. And, of course, you know, he had school, too, going on, and, and I knew he didn't need to be sick, so I took him to the immediate care, and um, they tested for strep, and um, the, test, the test did come back negative, she said, but I am going to treat him for strep because it may not be to that point where it can be detected yet. Because he had just started feeling bad. And she said, now here's the deal. I'm going to give you some antibiotic for it. If he's not feeling better within 24 to 36 hours, this is obviously viral and not bacterial. So he, you know, if you if you want to stop taking the antibiotic, you can. Now, from my perspective, I was like, 24 hours, 36 hours on antibiotic with it, even if it didn't help. At least I knew I was getting a jump start on it if it was going to help and it was bacterial. Yeah. Um. But now, I'll, but now I'll be honest. We don't uh, self-employed health insurance here. We don't go to the doctor a whole lot, so we probably can't be accused of o- abusing right. antibiotics personally. Although I wish we could. Sometimes Chris would like to give us drugs from the farm, which he doesn't, FYI. But it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that, um, you know, people get up in arms about antibiotics in meat, but they don't even think twice about it if the doctor prescribes it. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. 
and and I don't know why you would want to eat meat from potentially sick livestock or could have been sick who never were treated. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's something we, that we need to talk about, too, because most people aren't going to allow their animals to be sick. Even if they are antibiotic-free, they'll move them over to another farmer who will treat them and take care of them. And I think you're right, Karen. The majority of people who are shooting for antibiotic-free, completely antibiotic-free, raised antibiotic-free, however you want to label it, aren't allowing aren't allowing these animals to suffer by any means. Don't get me wrong. Um, And I think if that's the way you want to choose to run your farm, I think that's great. I think there's a market out there for everybody. Yeah. Um, But I'm just making clear that those animals don't suffer. Those farmers still take care of them. They just don't sell them the same way they sell their other ones. They usually move them to a different farmer and allow them to go through the conventional system. That's exactly right. And I think that's important to point out for sure. Anyone who's trying to go antibiotic-free, raise livestock that way, by no means do I think they're doing it wrong. Do I think they're letting livestock suffer? No. I mean, I think there's a market for everyone out there. There's room for everyone. Um, So, yeah, no, by no means do I think that that livestock is suffering out there, that that someone's trying to farm antibiotic-free. Yeah. So when they go... to take these in and test them do you know i mean is it a blood test or is it a what do they do do they test the meat after or do they test it before i honestly couldn't tell you okay uh i mean like for us i mean i'm sure that as that um like we sell i would say we sell live hogs not pork because i haul to a um a holding station and then they go to tyson and at that point I can tell you that even at that point at the processing plant, anything that goes through that that is tested, they know exactly where that hog came from. Um, and they can they, trace it back. And they can trace it back to the exact farm that it came from. There is There will never be a question of, well, this load came in on from these three farms, so it has to be one of these three. They know that hog came from what farm. Yeah. And that's um, an important distinction, I think, um, or an important point to clarify is, is not a lot of people realize that um, technology is made it as such now and, and all of that, that basically we we know um, where this stuff is coming from like that. Right. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, and, yeah. and it's, I think it's particularly tested livestock. Yeah. Yes. And I think most of it is tested before slaughter, I believe, because it wouldn't make sense to do all of the, the processing side and things like that. Um, without, you know, kind of like your milk. I think most of your milk and everything's tested before it leaves the farm. And then again, once it gets to, um, the facility you're going into, um, you know, it's, it's, it's our, our food system has always been exceptionally safe. It's even safer now. You know what I mean? Like before I was never really concerned at all. And, and now I, I really have very, very little concern if you follow proper procedure when it comes to preparation and, you know, hand washing and things like that, which I think a lot of folks would, you know, I think a lot of foodborne well, illnesses come more from that right. than, than anything else. Wash your else. hands, it comes more cook from your meat, and wash prep. your fruit and vegetables. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we have a subway down the road here that, honestly, we still go to. But if you're walking into a subway restaurant and you're worried about whether that two ounces of chicken on your sandwich has antibiotic residue in it, 
and that's your biggest concern, look around because there's probably flies under the sneeze guard and who cleaned the counters last and who, how many people touched that two ounces of chicken before it even made it to your sandwich. It's the food handling. And I'm not saying that all food handling is bad. I mean, I don't think it is, but I just think that- Stuff happens. Yeah. If you're focusing on the antibiotic in two ounces of chicken, you're probably worrying about the wrong thing. Well, and not just a commercial kitchen. I mean, my kitchen is not spotless. Oh, God. So. My kitchen is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. My kitchen is so disgusting. So it happens at home, too. It's not just necessarily at a Yeah, I know. It's everywhere. And, and, and food, quite honestly, food ends up taking the blame. Yeah. You know? Yeah. My kid eats stuff off the floors. I don't think that, you know... <laughs> I ate pretzels off my truck floor the other day. I was so hungry. I'm somewhat of a germaphobe, but I can't live my life, you know, in complete and total fear. But I do avoid Chipotle. <laughs> I think we all should. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing's funny. I've never than... eaten there, but yeah. Although, I suppose if they sold it as a weight loss program, they could probably keep up their business. Perhaps. Maybe they should do multi-level marketing on Facebook. That seems to be all the rage. I, I can't remember his name, but have you seen the guy who you, who makes the tweets and Chipotle answers him? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. D, what is? I can't D remember. Faber. Um, Faber, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's who He's it is. Funny. And, and he always he is hysterical. He always says these little things like, "Wife got me." I can't remember what they were, but just make they're hysterical because Chipotle goes, "Oh, isn't that great?" And, yeah. No, Chipotle, you're not getting that's it. right. You are completely lost. I feel bad for anyone so that runs social media on Twitter, any commercial <laughs> setup at all. Um. So I mean, when it comes down to it, that's it's where we're at. I mean, you're it, it, Jen. What is your biggest frustration when it comes down to the miscommunication on? antibiotics usage in in livestock have we touched on it at all like i know um this week you've been really frustrated you like you said you saw that wikipedia um you posted on it about uh the wikipedia article um stating you know kind of incorrect facts there um and stuff like that i mean it's kind of tell us on that side what are you seeing what do you hear and what frustrates you like what because you're dealing with it you know, firsthand, we're not. I, Karen and I have already said, well, you don't really care. I mean, use what you got to use. But you're the one that has to, you know, you're in the trenches with it. I'm boots on the ground there, yeah. Angie. Yeah. Thank um, you for that, by the way. I, you know, no problem. I, you know, I don't fight with activists a lot. I refuse to do it. I just go about what I want to do. I tweet what I want to tweet. I, you know, like, um, I won't fight with anyone about it. But I think that... I don't, I don't know. I think that we're hearing from the loudest people about this antibiotic use. And I'm, I I often wonder if the average consumer is just like, I just, I just want my food cheap. And, um, and I don't want it. I don't want it from sick animals and I don't want it. I, I, I think there are valid questions about it. Do I think it's a biggest deal as some people make it out to be? Probably not. Um, I think if we're just honest about it, I think that it comes through that way. I know that when we've had sick sick hogs in the past, um, I usually do a Periscope or go Facebook Live or, you know, whatever like that. And I have my reasons for what I do. We had some nursery pigs get sick um, last year. 
and we chose to we chose to do water medication, mass treatment, yeah. uh, water medication, as opposed to going through individually and giving shots to each of these baby pigs. And and someone asked me why, and I said, well, I can tell you why because I can walk through a a, a nursery barn of two hundred and fifty pigs, and I can tell you which ones feel bad right then and there, and I can give those pigs a shot. But what I don't see is the pigs that are just coming down with it. Yeah. So so I'm missing them when I should be getting them at that point to help to help them feel better as opposed to waiting until I see those actual symptoms. Um and, and then and so by by mass medicating or putting it in the water, I'm catching all those pigs. So not only am I catching all those pigs that might not be showing tr- showing symptoms, but I'm also not disturbing those pigs. I don't have to get in every pen. I don't have to grab five to 10 pigs and give them a shot and mark them and keep track of them and then put them down. You don't have to And then the next day, them. I don't. And then the next day, I don't have to go in again and get in that pen with those pigs that still have sick pigs and aren't feeling good and Remember and look for the ones I already gave treatment to, and then find the ones that are now showing treatment to. I'm not. I'm not going in that pen twice a day, disturbing their rest and their eating patterns, and I'm letting them get that medication in a, in the water form. I'm treating the ones I'm not seeing that are still showing that might be showing symptoms when I'm not in the barn, and I'm kind of just making everything. It's kind of like. People say, well, you don't, you know, you don't put medication in the drinking fountains at school. I'm like, well. They have fluoride. I mean, I'm not saying that yeah, it's right, I but mean, they have. You've got these, you know, but, but a little bit like kindergartners. I mean, you've got all these, all these pigs breathing the same air, mm-hmm. pooping in the same place, eating the same out of the same bowl, uh, drinking out of the same waters and 24-7. They're not, they don't get to go home. Nobody's Lysol in their hands. I mean, yeah. so so I just, I, you know, I just think that, I think if farmers will talk through what they're doing instead of maybe getting defensive, yeah. and, and there are going to be people who are going to be pissed. There are going to be people who are, oh, well, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, well, that's okay. That's your opinion. Yeah. Stay away from me. Yeah. Well, and that's everyone has the right to choose how, you know, what they want to do. Um, we have the right to tell them it's stupid. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'll like, feel free we to have do the right that. to say, well, that's nice. Um, but reality is you don't need to be concerned about that or you don't need to or do just do a little bit more research. Um, but I think you're really right in the sense that um farmers, you know, are doing themselves a service too by um, being clear when when talking to consumers or or sharing different things um, that they are operating in a certain way or they're doing things um, for a certain reason kind of deal. And most of that is is entirely animal husbandry. And the reality is this whole preemptive usage of um, antibiotics is not really something, you know, like you said, you work on gut health and stuff like that. Well, I take a probiotic, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think the animal husbandry thing is 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 huge. I think when you are in a livestock barn, whether it be cattle, whether it be hogs, whether it be chickens, turkeys, every day, you you know who doesn't feel good and who does. And I and I think that um 
I think that's so important to realize that farmers are there every day. There isn't a day. There, there isn't. I bet there's not 12 hours at a time someone isn't walking through one of our barns, making sure the feeders are working, the waters are working, um, the pigs are, you know, looking healthy and not needing further attention. Yeah. Um, and, and that's our job and and our income. So. Yeah. You're not going to allow things to happen that are not beneficial to your entire herd and your your operation. If you can help it. The last thing you want to do is to have to drag out a 250-pound dead hawk. Oh, God. Is there anything else I you guess... guys want to add? Yeah, Karen, what were well, you? Well, I was just going to say, let's talk about where we buy meat. I mean, Jen says she buys it at Walmart. Do you just buy, like, regular big-name companies, or what do you do, Jen? You know, I'm I'm really bad about watching price. Um, I should be better, but to be honest, I hate the grocery store. Yeah. Um... I buy whatever looks good, and, and I look at meat. I like I, I like meat. I tell you what, we got to feed in paline. Everybody wanted leaner hogs. Ugh, this isn't a whole other subject, kind of. Everybody wanted leaner hogs. Fat's bad. And then everybody complained that um, pork was dry. Well, no shit, Sherlock. You took all the fat off of it. The moisture and the flavor in pork comes from the fat people. <laughs> You don't have to eat it all. Well, that's but in you any meat. There when you cook, that's in any and, and it is in any meat. It is in any meat. Um, what is that? Laura's lean beef. Not anything wrong with Laura's lean beef if that's what you want. But you can't be buying this lean meat and then complaining that it's dry and doesn't have any flavor. Ugh, burns me up. So I like to. I. This is going to sound weird, but I like to look at my meat. Um, <laughs> Jen, do you play with your meat? <laughs> oh, sometimes. <laughs> um, I like I like fat. Um, I it, You don't have to eat it. You don't have to be overly obsessive with tons of it, but you need that. You need that fat. Um, I, I just I just think people have a misconception about livestock needing to be completely lean. Now there's a, you don't want to overly, you know, I think you need some back fat on a hog to make the meat taste really good. Good old bat fat. What about you, Angie? How do you buy your meat? Um, I buy my truck that shows up in your driveway. Right? No, no, that would just be intrusive. That's like that commercial where the woman's like, I baked you a pie so I could see if you're weird or whatever. And the lady's like, wow, that sounds intrusive. And she's like, it is. Do I smell onions? Have you seen that commercial? <laughs> no. Oh my god, you have to watch it. It's hilarious. I can't stand the idea of people like we have a good relationship with Travis, our UPS man, but that's about it. Like the FedEx guy just knows to leave the crap in the garage. Um, so I buy my meat when I go to the store. Hi V, usually. Um, I'm terrible. I have a freezer full of meat, and Carl keeps getting mad that I never use it. And I'm like, that's for the apocalypse. Like, I don't understand. Oh my gosh, I'm the same way. You do have. I am like, too. Yeah, but I'm like, that's in case something goes wrong, and and it's frozen, and I'm hungry right yeah, now. Yeah, that's why I, I like. I prefer lean meat. Yeah, well, that's yeah. I can if I need to, I'll thaw it out later on. But right now, I'm not gonna. Um, 
I'm like, who knows? Who knows at eight o'clock in the morning or the night before what kind of meat you want to exactly. thaw out? I mean, what if I'm not hungry? That's just it for that kind. Like of the meat? only time I'll ever do that is bacon. Like I'll drag bacon up because I got a half a hog before I moved out here. So that tells you how long ago that was. But like two weeks ago, before we left to Michigan, I was like, God, bacon sounds good. So I went down and dragged up a thing for you know to have bacon the next day. Like that was it. I don't know. But yeah, so I just usually will go and uh, um, pick up whatever sounds good each week. We eat a lot of turkey, ground turkey. So yeah. Really? Yeah, you can shoot me. I've never had Oh, I like it. I prefer it. But um, now we know why Carl's so pissy. Right? (laughs) That's because he doesn't get all the beef. Um, Ooh, do you make him eat turkey bacon too? uh, No, I won't make him. That's just wrong. But he does because I make turkey bacon a lot of times. I like turkey bacon. I know. Turkey bacon is not I like regular bacon too, but I like turkey bacon. I won't lie. It's a little bit um, like it's thicker. I don't know. It's more, it's different than regular bacon. I'm not saying it's any better. Of course not. I would rather eat 70 it's pounds not. of bacon. It's not. Don't say that. Don't right? I would rather eat regular bacon. But no, we do. We eat a lot of ground turkey. Um, it's simply, I have uh, a health condition that tends, it just works better to supposedly avoid red red meat. We don't. I mean, I don't most of the time. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'll have a steak. Thanks. Um, but we do. We eat a, a lot of ground turkey and... Uh, um, but I just pick it out from Hy-Vee each week. Like I, we decide what we want to buy. Like I prefer, we eat a lot of lean meat, you know, after Carl's health thing. Um, but there's heart deal there, but yeah, we just buy meat. I like meat. A lot of meat. That's what <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll give you one tip, although I haven't tried it myself yet, but apparently you can cook frozen meat in the Instapot and have it ready in like 25, 30 minutes. I've heard that. I, have I haven't tried it yet. Have I do have an Instapot. I have boiled eggs in it. Really? Um, and That's that all might you've be done it. with your Instapot? <laughs> <laughs> boiled eggs? I think so, yeah. <laughs> How long no, wonder, you- no wonder your kids are pulling kitchen chairs over to the refrigerator <laughs> looking for food. <laughs> well, I mean, that in the Instapot, I mean, I just, I don't know. But, I mean, I need to venture out and try more of that. But I guess I don't really buy that much meat at the grocery store, which I think is interesting that you guys do. I judged meat in high school, and ever since then, I just can't look at grocery store meat the same. Do you go to, like, a market? (laughs) Really? What do you do? So, um, well, my brother has some some um beef but um so when christmas and my birthday comes around and my parents ask me what i want i say i want hamburger that makes sense (laughs) so that's what i get and they go to um if they don't have any in their freezer they just go to the local locker where they take them and they buy it straight from the locker so that's where most of my hamburger comes from it would make sense we used to have a locker uh when i lived in michigan see those are these are things that my life has Mm -hmm. changed over the last few years um, when I lived in Michigan, the the people that I bought the house from, they're customers of mine. They're great friends. They literally lived kitty corner from me. And uh, they had... Uh, we say caddy corner. Cat- what the hell is that? Caddy? I don't know, but what's a kitty corner? That's like a cat. <laughs> so is caddy. Caddy literally is cat Um, that's It weird. must be an I-state thing because we say caddy corner too. What? Okay, thank you. Kitty corner, man. Kitty corner. But anyway... Um, they lived across the road just down from a little bit and they, uh, fed cattle and now they're raising hogs. So, um, my parents and I would split 
like they we'd split a quarter beef and uh you know once every six months or so and and uh a hog or we get them at the fair uh like when the my boss would buy animals we'd process them and and uh you'd go pick up your half a hog you know one every other year you get like a half a hog or a quarter beef you you could choose and blah 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 so like i said i still have a freezer full of of you know like local grown fresh processed meat um but around here right now, because there's nothing, it's really weird, because Iowa's like, what, huge pork producer, right, in a huge cattle country place, and I don't, I guess there's a locker I've heard over in West Bend, but I don't, I don't know. So, I, it's kind of a personal issue for me. We have hogs processed, and we usually have one of the 4-H steers processed, but but I have this thing about proving a point that, that grocery store meat is safe. Um, I don't want, I have this thing that I do, I do buy meat at the grocery store purely out of proving that it's safe because I don't want anyone to think we have, we have a hog and calf processed because it's cheaper for us than buying meat at the grocery store. But I I hate it when people say, well, yeah, you have fresh meat. if I'm going to have something processed, it's the same. It, I'm taking out of the same load I'm taking to Tyson, but I'm doing it for financial reasons. But I have this thing where I like to buy meat. You just really can't say that without sounding awkward. I prefer awkward. to go to Craigslist um, for at my the meat grocery I store. Buy. Right. Um, I order mine online I- from a guy on Twitter. Does that count? <laughs> I get all my wow. pork from okay. I get all my pork from a more pork um Brian Roberts off of Twitter. He's he ships Minnesota. it down here. There you go. Is he in Minnesota? He's in Minnesota. Yep. And he ships it down here. Which you know, you know people say, "Oh, shop local." I'm like, "You'd be surprised at how local, you know." Here's the thing. He's got the shredded pork, pork stuff. Really? That I swear to God, he puts crack in. Oh yeah. my God, it is so good. What's the I website? Never... I need to go there right and so, now. And so there are there is some advantage to having it processed like that because there are things that, that you can't get at your grocery store that you can get from a locker processing your meat. But I, I, I hate it when people say, oh, well, you process yours, your own. That's purely financial. I mean, I the same pork I have processed here is the same pork you're buying at That's Walmart. a more pork, Karen? what you're talking about yeah it's a more pork online and it's all in uh, small packages so they go to the farmer's market and then they have the store i think they have some a store at the farm but he ships it speedy delivery and it's here like two days later still frozen solid and he just packs it up and i get um i love the shredded pork i mean seriously there's freaking crack in it. it is so good um and then i get the bacon and i get some ham um, some small hams, and then um, I've also gotten a ham steak, and I get pork chops. He has really good pork chops. And this last time, they have some. Um, they have a little bit of cattle too, so I got some ribeyes the last time. So, oh. yeah, it's good stuff. Now I'm just. I hungry. know, me too. I do love. Yeah, meat. but that that shredded pork stuff. Oh my gosh, it's not like I don't like sauce. So it's not saucy. It, it's like a dry rub, but it is so good. And I just it comes frozen. And I just put it in um, like a, a skillet pan and I just heat it up that way. I put a cover on it and I, f- I cook it frozen and then um, it kind of caramelizes a little bit on the sides. And it's so freaking good. Oh, my God. You need to stop. I'm, I'm starving right <laughs> I'm now. hungry, too, apparently. And I just saw I know I have some in my freezer, so maybe I'll get that out for later. But 
So, I mean, so yeah, so I buy it that way. I do buy chicken in the store when I buy chicken, but I don't cook chicken very well. I'm not very good at it for some reason. But Chicken scares um, me. I'll buy it at the like, store. Like, I love chicken. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, it scares me from a... I'm just always afraid I'm not going to cook it all the way through. See, I think it always tastes better when it's at a restaurant for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't get it. Mine's always either too dry or... I don't know. I just don't do it very well, so... But I apparently have no fear because I love we cook chicken all the time. I love fried chicken on the bone. Yum. Homemade fried chicken. So if we're going to do confessions, I don't eat any meat on the bone. It has to be off of it. Okay, Chris Campbell. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. He throws a fit if you put like chops on the bone. I'm like, oh, my God. People. Not only does flavor come from fat, but it comes from the bone. I've always I just, found I can't that flavor it. comes from the bone. <laughs> I know. And um, I have had so many comments made to me because of this, and I've heard songs sang and blah, 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 but I can't do it. I mean, most of the time, I mean, that's why I would choose a cheeseburger over, you know, a T-bone. I mean, I just, I would. Sorry. Wow. I like butterfly pork chops. Yeah, butterfly you know, are great. Bonus. I'm kind of the same way. I'm not a big fan of dealing with bones in my meat, but um, I I don't know. Carl likes it. He's like, let's have an Iowa chop, which is phenomenal. That is the be- like the benefit of moving here is like an Iowa chop. That giant fat. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yes. See the fat, oh, the bone. It's, it's all so there. Where your good. flavor comes from, people. You know what? The best Iowa chop I ever had was in Napa. Uh, in Napa? I don't guess I've ever had an Iowa chop. Yeah, they brought them in from Iowa into Napa to this restaurant, which I just thought was funny. I'm not sure the actual cut. Yeah, that is kind of funny. It's just a thick uh, bone-in. Yeah, it's really super thick bone-in chop, basically. So this is amazing to me. I'm looking at this armor pork right now and like boneless one inch butterfly is four seventy nine a pound. That's a pretty good price. Is it not? I don't know. I don't check prices. Okay. So what is it now? I got a <laughs> armor pork. A-M-O-R. Yeah. It's out of Minnesota. So. Yeah. And they'll ship it to you. Like thick slice bacon, six sixty nine a pound. That's pretty decent. You can even get Canadian bacon and we can pretend to honor like. I love Canadian bacon. That's pre-cooked barbecue pork. See, she's got it. All right. I'm going to have to print this off. I'm placing an order today. I'm placing an order, too. So. And Brian, you can send all of my commission checks to me here. Or just send me free pork. Or I started to say, or send it in the form of Lots of meat. Give me all of the meat. Um, okay, so, so yeah. to conclude, there's no reason to be afraid of meat. I would still eat any meat in the U.S. before I would import it. Is that a whole other topic? I think we covered that topic once before. We have. And that's what the other day I ate blueberry or raspberries from Mexico, and I, there was no shame in my game. <laughs> I think I think it's important to keep in mind if you're if you're worried about antibiotics, are you talking about preserving the effectiveness of antibiotics for humans? Or are you doing it because you just think your food is safer and it makes you feel better? I think those are two totally different yeah. things. Um, the whole labeling game, and I, th- I think you need to know why you're doing it. And, and I think if you're going to make a big deal out of it, 
you need to do some research into it. Yeah. Because it, it's it's very confusing and has multiple layers to it. Yeah. But it's still safe, so you shouldn't worry about it. No, it's completely safe. And I think that I think that's the key. I mean, either even if you're worried about preserving effectiveness or you just think it's it's better without antibiotics, I think I think all all Chris always says, I love this line. He always says that um, people say that our food system is broke here in America. A broken food system is when your grocery store shelves are empty. We do not have and a I don't understand food. how anyone could say our food system is broke. I mean, honestly, as, being someone who's I don't in it, like that's, you know, because you're in the, the livestock side. I'm in the, the grain, you know, specifically food grade soybeans and wheat. And the amount of care and, and follow up and, and, you know, just. And choices. Yes. Choices. I think if you've got, I, I think you, you've got nothing else in your life to worry about if, if you're just digging for things to worry mm-hmm. about like that. Yeah. There's plenty of other things going on, I think. But, but just, you know, the, I think the main thing, um, is, uh, to, uh, basically just, if you have questions, ask. There is absolutely no one, um, there's absolutely no one out there that is, you know, if they're not going to answer you, then they, they, I guess they just don't know. I don't know. There, You have people who are more than ready and willing to share all of the information that they have that goes into the production of their animals, I believe. And and uh, if you're truly, you know. Sure. I think anyone who raises livestock is going to yeah. talk to you. And if they don't know the answer, they're going to find somebody. But and if you, you don't, don't know anyone you, to ask, we can help you find someone to ask. Yes. Totally. I don't. I always say, you know, you don't raise livestock solely for the income because there isn't that much income in, in it. You 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 love what you do and you love being around the livestock and working with yeah. animals. Um, it's our business, don't get me wrong. You know, we're we wanna make money doing it, but you don't do it solely for the income. Uh, don't let her fool you. She's way more of a woman than Angie and I are. True. <laughs> she is. Jen's a badass. She's like, I'm sweeping a bin. I'm like, I'm just trying to get a shower in with a one year old. I don't know. <laughs> that that's tough. Um, so and I went to Dunkin' Donuts to get my kids breakfast so they'd try and be quiet during the podcast, which they obviously did not stay up to their part of the bargain. <laughs> <laughs> And I was totally, because I walked out with no deads in the hog barns thinking, all right, I'm going for a donut because Karen made me want one. And Chris goes, here's a broom and a mask, get in the bin. And I'm like, but my donut. He didn't slap you on the ass on your way in? (laughs) 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 Oh, God. (laughs) Kids are at school, lady. So, all right. It, it was he. Here's a here's a broom and a shovel. I'll be out here, tell and I'll to let you know when the semis fall. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. You know, Chris, Chris, Chris. We're gonna know. have to do an entire session with just Chris. <laughs> so, Chris, we'll do it before Christmas so you don't get screwed over again, Jen. That's just it. We'll yeah, share Chris Campbellisms. It's always. It's always funny because he does listen to the podcast, and you can tell when he gets to the point where we mention his name because he gets that little smirk <laughs> on his face. So. He wins because he's the only husband that does. My husband's still like, you have a podcast? That's why or he'll tweet about him being stupid. I'm like, you realize I have one, right? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I feed 
behind you. Like, you could at least pretend to listen. So, but yeah, overall, I, you know, I think the main thing is, is, is it's never wrong to ask questions. Um, I would say that if it is a concern of yours, you know, have a, have a conversation with folks. But the reality is, I, I think overall, um, we need uh, to have medication. We, we need proper use or, or conservative use or controlled use, which of course they are. I mean, it's not like you can, you're just going to go to um, Walmart and pick up a uh, hog medication. You know what I mean? Like there's a, a certain level and, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's well managed, well taken care of. And, and, uh, if you really want to know a whole lot about your meat production, you know, look local. And, uh, with that, I have a, an order form to fill out cause they have thick cut bacon that I need. Oh, the blueberry, life. the blueberry maple sauce breakfast sausage is really good too. What? Jesus. Okay. Placing yeah, that order. I'm also, um, I love jalapeno cheddar brats. Like, I could seriously eat them every day. And there's a reason that I'll never be skinny. <laughs> oh, my God. This is, uh, I'm Are you I'm looking at the price here. list right now on everything you can get? Because I am. And uh, I'm about ready yeah. to have a meatgasm. So, all right. I will. Uh, <laughs> I'm about to start my computer. And she needs to be alone by that. So (laughs) by that point, uh, yeah. So as always, thanks for listening. If you have any questions or any follow up, um, uh, you know, if you're team kitty corner, like the normal parts of the world, um, (laughs) let me know. Uh, Otherwise, we will uh, we'll return next week with something equally awesome to talk about, I'm sure. So have a good one, guys. Woohoo! Bye.